church project. We're, we're a gathering of people who love Jesus, and we want to know and love him more. We love each other, and we love the mission of Jesus in this world, and we want to live that out together. We're a church. But we're also a project. We're an ongoing pursuit to discover what Christ originally intended for church to be. So we are a collection of house churches that meet throughout the week, and then we gather together on Sunday to listen to teaching from scriptures, to pray together, and to worship. And we also, our church meets the needs throughout our community, like Young Life and Youth for Christ and on and on. I'm not going to list them. I'm sorry. I'm not listing them all. Don't yell at me. I love all of our ministry partnerships. Um, We financially and relationally partner with ministry partnerships as well. And so this is what we do. Our Sunday gathering, our house churches, and our ministry partnerships. Next week, we have um, October 8th, we have a start class. So if you're new to Church Project, you've never been here, you don't know where we've come from, what we're about, we'd love to uh, have you join our start class. You can um, register on the email. If you're not getting email, there's a response card in the back. Put that in the offering plate, and we'll make sure that, that we get you that email so you can be here next week. Or you can just show up, we'll feed you, we'll watch your kids, but we've got to know that we, how much food to order, so please register. So let's get started here today. If you would, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 9, verse 32 through 43. Acts chapter 9, verses 32 through 43. Um, do you realize how much God is pursuing you, church? Do you realize how much God is pursuing you personally? God deeply loves and desires a relationship with you. So let's pray and go watch the Broncos. No, there's way more than that. (laughs) He, He has come to mend every broken relationship in this world. And he doesn't want to mend the whole world. He wants to mend you. And he wants to be in relationship with you. And through his church, through us, through us finding our identity in him, he mends the whole world. I want, if you would, you to listen to the psalmist's relationship with God. In Psalms 139, this is the psalmist's speaking of and writing about his relationship with God. Oh, we got a mic switch again. I don't know how to turn it on. Push the button. The red one? Oh, orange button. Okay. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, 
and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. You formed me, my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous ways in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. Thank you. Do you realize how much God is pursuing you and wants a relationship with you? He wants you to be honest. He wants you to be vulnerable. But he's pursuing a relationship. As we look at our passage today, I want to encourage you to, to really keep in mind that we are on a journey of relationships. We're on a journey of relationships. Today, we celebrated being on a journey um, with parents that are on relationships, on a, on a relationship journey with their children. And as a church, we're on a relationship journey with the children and with the parents. A couple of weeks ago, we got to celebrate the start of a, of a new marriage relationship with David and Kelly, and we celebrate being in that, like relationships, all of life is coming down to relationships, and when we look at this passage today, we are on a journey of relationships. And so here's a question I want you to ask. How do we glorify God in my relationship to, and then whatever, whatever? How do I glorify God in my relationship to this cup of coffee? Like, how do I glorify God in my relationship to my kids? How do I glorify God in my relationship to my coworkers? How do I glorify God? On and on we can go. At the root of every aspect of life is relationships. Relationship to ourselves, relationships to others, relationships to things, especially if you have an iPhone. Like, I have a deep relationship with my iPhone. Relationship to moments, relationship to God. At the root of every aspect of life is relationships. And either these relationships are good or they are broken. I might need to go on a media fast because my relationship might be broken with this. I'm sorry. That was a joke. Thanks for the... (laughs) That wasn't in my notes, so let's move on. Between God and humans, a relationship was broken when man entered and sinned. But Jesus, God's son, was sent to mend every 
broken relationship. And Jesus has been pursuing you and will continue to pursue you till the grave. He's here to mend those broken relationships and make everything good. So when we look through this passage, I want to read it. I would like you to underline or circle or highlight if you have a techie thing. Um, how many relationships are addressed in this passage alone? Okay? So Acts chapter 9, verse 32 through 43. If you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand and Jared will bring you a Bible or there's a Bible in the row near you. But Acts chapter 9, verses 32 through 43 is what we're looking at. As Peter traveled about the country, he went and visited the Lord's people who lived in Lydia, or Lydda, Lydda. There he found a man named, named Ainus, who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Ainus, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Immediately, Ainus got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas, by the way. We'll call, him, we'll call her Tabitha. <laughs> she was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lida was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lida, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the, all the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. I want to, if we would, just, just take a pause from this passage and talk about Luke in general and, and what's happening in Acts right now as Luke is writing Acts right now in general. Here's some thoughts. Luke's narratives... The story that we're reading right now that Luke wrote about in the book of Acts, Luke's narratives display the big, grand, and powerful conversion of Saul. Like we, we just read about that a few passages ago, a few verses ago, a few weeks ago. Like that was huge that this powerful man was converted, Saul, to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And Luke also, as well, he enters into the normal, ordinary, common people and shows how God moves in their life. Like he gives us the dynamics of the great conversions, and he gives us the ones of the small, ordinary conversions as well. And he, I think one of the reasons that he does that is to show us the fact that people that cannot fight for themselves have others fighting for them, apostles, disciples, but beyond that has Jesus fighting for them. In fact, in Proverbs, one Proverbs I love is let us speak and let us fight for those that cannot speak and cannot fight on their own. 
I feel like that's one of my missions or job statements as a pastor is to speak for those that cannot speak for themselves and to go and help those that cannot help themselves. And Luke is writing this to remind us, raise your hand if you're extraordinary. Oh, that would be super. (laughs) Raise your hand if you're ordinary. This is for us. He is speaking to us and he's saying, I am going to fight for you your entire life. I desire to mend broken relationships with you and with the world. Amen? The apostles, the evangelists are preaching. They're writing. They're traveling. They're going big. They're the professionals. Like, they got it down. We read about them in the, Acts, in, in the book of Acts. They've got it down, the apostles and the evangelists. And yet you see the church. During this time, in this passage still, the church is made up of knitters and sewers. Ones that are knitting clothes for widows and sewing clothes for widows. And the ordinary, common folk, the good old folk, the down-home cooking people. Welcome to Greeley. This is our message It's not about us being grand apostles and evangelists and being professionals and going out and doing life. It's about Jesus handing us the keys to the church and saying, sew a really good shirt when you love that widow. Isn't that refreshing? Isn't that freedom? You walk around your week going, I don't know if I'm representing God. No, the fact that you're breathing and you're alive, you represent God wherever you go. That's not condemnation. That's freedom. Healing, always, another general statement as we're looking at the book of Acts here. Healing always happens right away. You see it in all the healings in the Bible. When Jesus heals, he heals right away. I played baseball. Anyone else play baseball? Okay, very good. Peter, did you ever have to put your rally cap on? You, you turn your hat sideways, you're like, okay, last inning, we got a score. That wasn't working. You turn it, you flip it inside out and put it backwards. Like, Laura's laughing. You know exactly the rally cap. Like, you're trying to get going. Like, we're going to win this thing. Here's the deal. When Jesus heals, he heals instantaneously. And I'll say it at the core of healing. The core of healing for all of us is the moment we realize that we need a Savior. It's not like we have to earn this relationship with God and put on our rally cap and do everything right and cross every T and dot every I and then one day we might win the game or enter into a relationship with God. No, when God heals our soul at the deepest level, he does it instantly. The moment you lock eyes with God and today might be your moment, the moment you lock eyes with God and say, I'm no longer gonna live for the things of this world and I'm no longer gonna live for me but God, I surrender control of my life to you today. Heal me. And instantly, God says, those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The greatest healing of all time. And all of God's people says, amen. When he heals, he heals right away. I want us to look at at these verses today. And I want to keep in mind the idea of relationship because it's super, uber important. Verse 34, it says that this instant, the Messiah heals you. And then he says this, he says, get up and make your bed. That's what he says in verse 34 in the Greek, if you look at it, the phrase really says, get up and go make your bed. Like, make your bed, you got things to do, roll up, you're alive, like live, go get it. And it happens immediately. Another, a couple fun facts, in verse 36, the city, Joppa, is on the coast 
of the modern-day Tel Aviv, so it's, it's right on the coastline. Another interesting fact about, about verse 36 is this word disciple. Disciple means this, learner. So if you call yourself a disciple, what does that mean? It means you're a learner of Jesus Christ. So are we disciples? I hope we're disciples in all aspects of our life, in our, in our Bible, our vocabulary, what we listen to, what we do. I hope we are disciples. We're learners of Jesus. We're never saying we're apathetic and putting on pause because we're good. No, we're disciples ongoing. We're learning continually who Jesus is. Um, in verse 39, do you think that it's a little strange? Look, at, look in verse 39 here. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. And what happened next? All the widows stood around crying and doing what? Showing him the robes and other clothes that Tabitha or Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Okay, do, I, do you find a little humor in this? I mean, when I first read it, I'm like, your friend's dead. You just put her upstairs. You prepared her, and you've asked this guy to come heal. He comes upstairs. You're crying, and you're like, oh, yeah, by the way, let me show you all the clothes she made. Like, do you find any humor in that? I, I, when, I, when I read that, I'm thinking, this is hilarious. One of the commentarians said, though, I wonder if, if though, the clothes that they, they were showing them, the widows were showing them, weren't like, come look at the closet of clothes, but it was more like, look at the clothes that Tabitha made. Like she loved and served and was a disciple of God so much that they're literally wearing the clothes that Tabitha had made. So no wonder they would say, look at the clothes that she made. Like she loved deeply. She loved me deeply. I mean, keep in mind, we're, we're, we're still thinking in the, in the realm of relationships. I'm about to just rock through this passage, okay? All right, Ben? And then in verse 40, I think it's interesting that Peter, he throws them out. He throws them out in verse 40. And, and, and I began to wonder, why does he throw everyone out of the room before he prays and heals, you know, this, this dead woman? And then I realized, oh, Mark chapter 5, verse 40. Jesus did the very same thing. He enters into a room, and before he heals the dead woman, he sends everyone out, and then he does a miracle. So I wonder if, Peter did what Jesus did. I'm a disciple. I'm a learner of Jesus. I don't know how to raise a dead person. Do any of you? So Peter probably enters and he, go, he knows like this is his time. How do I do this? Uh, we don't have Google yet. What do we do? <laughs> oh, I remember Jesus. The one I was following did the very same thing. And he sent everyone out. So that must be good. Everyone get out of here. Step one. I don't know why I have to chew sunflower seeds when I chop wood. Did Jesus do that? <laughs> he might have. But my dad did. My dad did when I was in third grade and fourth grade. We'd go chop wood. I mean, I'm sure I didn't help at all. And I had the biggest wad of sunflower seeds because my dad did. So why today... I'm acting like I actually chop wood. I buy wood now. <laughs> if I were to ever chop wood, I would want sunflower seeds. And Peter, I don't know how to heal. Y'all get out of here. 
This is what my daddy did. This is what I'm going to do. I'm a disciple. I'm a learner of Jesus. I do what my father did. Okay, let's get to the fun part. I'm going to completely rock through this passage. Open your Bibles. Look at these verses because I want to point out, and I know I'm not getting all of them, but I want to point out the importance of relationships. It is, it is blaring off of this passage. Remember, Jesus came to heal every relationship. And Christina just brilliantly read Psalms and what, what a relationship with Christ can look like. And I pray that you encounter a love relationship with God as we look at the power of this passage. So in verse 32, as Peter traveled around the country, he went to visit the Lord's people. In verse 32, the Lord's people and Peter, you already see a relationship right there, right? Then you see a relationship with Inus right there in verse 32, okay? Uh, verse 33, there he found an, a man named Inus. That's a relationship right there who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Then in verse 34, he says, Inus, Peter said to him, there's a relationship. Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Immediately, Inus got up and rolled up his mat. So there's a relationship with Peter and there's a relationship with Inus. But what does Peter do? He introduces him to a relationship with who? Jesus the ultimate relationship healer. So Peter introduces himself. Hi, Peter. I mean, hi, Inus. I'm Peter. And Peter, or hi, Inus. I'm Peter. And here's Jesus. Well, that's a lot of names. He, a lot of relationships going on. So he enters into this relationship in verse 34. Look in verse 35. Everyone in Lydia and Sharon is introduced to the Lord. Do you see that in verse 35? All those who lived in Lydia and Sharon saw him. All those who lived with them. Now, that literally doesn't mean all. Luke really likes to exaggerate here, but that does mean an extremely large amount of people in these two cities were introduced into what? A relationship right there. All those who lived in Lydia and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Um, in verse 36, it continues. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In, in Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always always doing good and helping the poor. So you see already that Tabitha Dorcas is, has a relationship with who? The poor continually. Always it's happening right there in verse 36 and verse 37. About that time, she became sick and died. And her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Who washed the body? Probably friends, probably the widows. We're going to see in a minute. Verse 38, like... <clears throat> Excuse me, Lydia was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydia, they sent two men to urge him to come, please, at once. So you see the, uh, the disciples calling Peter. There's a relationship. They sent two men to go get Peter. There's a relationship in verse 38. Disciples sent the two men for Peter. In verse 39, I love it. The widows are crying for their friend Tabitha, Dorcas. Like there's such a relationship there in verse 39. They're crying over the death of their friend. We get into verse 40. We see what? We see Peter and Tabitha. It says here, Peter sent them all out of the room, everyone. Then he got down on his knees and prayed, turning towards the dead woman. He said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. Hello, my name's Peter. Glad to help. Like, you see a relationship there. In verse 41, he took her by the hands and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to, to 
them alive. So in 41, you see Tabitha getting introduced to the believers. And then verse 42, through Tabitha, many in Joppa believed in the Lord. Look at that in verse 42. This became known all over Joppa. Why? Because of a relationship. And many people believed in the Lord through this woman who was introduced to Jesus through Peter, who helped widows and poor people. You see relationship. And then in verse 43, Peter and Joppa with Simon. The relationships continue. Do you see the amount of relationships happening in this passage alone? Kelly and David, thanks for inviting us to your wedding. Jay, thanks for walking your dog with me at night when we randomly meet. Christina, Chad, thanks for the party the other night. That was super fun. A lot of fun, especially when Jeff was dancing. Jeff can dance. (laughs) Kurt, it's good getting to know you, bud. Excited for what God's doing in your church. It's going to be an incredible thing. Emily, I can't wait to meet you, officially. Ben, I could arm wrestle you. (laughs) You'd win. Lauren, thanks for being in our relationship for however many years. I don't know how long we've been married. Grandpa, thank you for being the oldest person at Church Project. 91, young whippersnapper. Can I throw you under the bus? Are you preaching soon? Yes or no? Oh, that's dirty. I won't do that. Okay. (laughs) Mike and Mike, you guys are sitting by each other. Introduce yourselves. Mike and Mike, right there. Right behind you, the bald dude. Mike and Mike. Bill, thanks for doing the Imago about cars. That was absolutely fantastic. I love you, church. I love being in relationship with you. And I'm only trying to do what I see Jesus do in Scripture. And as are we. Let's enter into relationships because Jesus came to heal all broken relationships. Amen? I just have a feeling that when you go to house church this week, you're going to have more people than you've ever had. And you're going to have some incredible conversations about relationships. Let's be on purpose. Let's be on target. Let's make it a priority. Let's rearrange our schedules. Let's do whatever we need to do to lock arms together as we push back the gates of hell in Greeley, Colorado. Amen? Let me pray. God, thank you so much for today. Really, really cool, awesome, fun day, God. Thank you. I thank you for my friends. Thank you for my family. I thank you for my brothers and sisters. God, I thank you for the people that right now, man, you're tugging on their heart. You're asking them just to be part of the family and to give their life to you. So God, right now, stir in the hearts and the mind of the people sitting here right now that if there's anyone that they've never given their life to you, that today would be the day they say, I'm tired of doing it on my own. God, I want to do life with you. I want to do life with your church, with your people. God, I know that I'm dirty apart from you, and I want you to wash me clean. I want you to mend the broken relationship between God and me. So if there's anyone in this room today, that's you. Here's how easy it is to become a follower of Christ. You just simply call on the name of Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. Say, Jesus, I give you control of my life. Teach me who you are teach me who I am in you.
If today you'd like to talk about a relationship with Christ, Jason and Rachel will be over on this side of the room. I'll be over here on this side of the room. We would love to engage you in relationship, conversation. If you're not receiving our emails, please receive our emails. The connection cards are on the back table next to the offering. Why do I say that? Because it's important to know what we're doing as a church so we can continually engage in relationship together. Because you know what? There's a square dance party coming up soon, and I want everyone to be there. God, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over your people today. I pray that you would bless them and keep them, make your face to shine upon them, be gracious to them. I pray that you would give them your peace and that your kingdom would come and your perfect will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Church, let's stand and worship God today.